So we're on page eight on the left side, on the bottom, sorry, on the bottom, bottom, last, last line of page eight on the right. And yesterday we were speaking about, we finished off the the sort of Haskalah, Kabbalah ideas behind this mimer, which discusses the masachim, the concealments, and the idea of drawing from Kodesh into Chol, and from drawing from Shabbat into the weekday, and how we finished off with Asher bara Elokim La'asot, right? That Hashem created a world that we are supposed to perfect. He didn't finish it. He created it so that we can tremis and tzuchitikon, just like the beans that need to be uh, fixed up, so too with this world. And we said that we see this idea, all that we discussed, in the idea of Mila. So we said Avram was his name before the bris. Avram represents Avram, a father who is above. Hashem's chokhmah and source of flow into the world as it exists up in its source and chokhmah above the screens and the separations. And Avram existed on that plane. He lived his life and he served Hashem from the source of Hashem. And that there's the idea, has, has anyone heard of the Merkava? The, the vision of the chariot? Oh yeah. We're going to speak about it this year. Um, we speak about it in um, 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 Adam Kiyakra. We're going to speak about the Merkava. But it was a, there's a very famous vision that Yechezkel had where he saw this, like the, the Kisei HaKava, the seat where Hashem lives and all the angels that hold it up. And it's a whole, um, it's a whole detailed thing. Uh, well, there were four. There, there were three. Yechezkel is a famous one because he elaborates it the most. Yirmiyahu also had a vision of the Merkava. And Yeshaya as well. Each one had a different vision of a different spiritual world. So Yeshaya had a vision of the world of Bria, and he describes it very briefly because it's not like it's too kind of lofty. Yechezkel had a vision of the world of Yetzira, which he describes at length, and then Yirmiyah had a vision of the spiritual world of Asiya, and the Merkava and the angels and the workings there. We'll discuss it later. Nobody had a vision of Atsilas because there's nothing to see in Atsilas, right? However, it's brought down that Avram is the Merkava of Atzilus. The forefathers, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, are the Merkava of Atzilus. They served Hashem from this level of Atzilus. And when we say Merkava, Merkava is a chariot. In Chassidus, a chariot is completely subservient to the rider. It has no say where it's going, right? And so too with the Avot, with our forefathers. They lived on this plane where they were completely in tune and one with the source of Hashba'ah. And we see that practically from the fact that they intuitively knew which mitzvahs to do. Intuitively. The only exception was Brismila, where Hashem came and commanded Avraham to do something that he hadn't known to do. And that he did, well, there's opinions that say he knew he needed to do it, but he was waiting for Hashem to command him because then there is this extra special connection when you get a command from Hashem. Mitzvah, mitzvah means command, also tzafta in Aramaic, which means connection. So, Avram and... The, yeah. said more about, um, about how, uh, the, I don't know, I don't know what the name of the rabbi, but the rabbi walks into the cave Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai? No, no, no. No. Uh, he, walk, no. <laughs> he walks into the cave and he he asks like he asks Eliyahu like why why and he sees the red grace of Sarah and Abraham and he asks why is um, Sarah holding on to the hand like onto the head of Abraham? Isn't it brought up in, in this like this morning? 
It's possible. I don't know which Gemara you're talking about. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. <laughs> Very interesting. I said more that like explains the like relationships between Avraham and why he um, decided to like yeah yeah here like it's like. Sorry, <laughs> it's, just, it's just very interesting. I also wrote um, Eliezer. Um, Eliezer answered the question to like Eliezer, who was the servant of Abraham, um, answered to the rabbi that uh, Abraham is lying, laying with his wife Sarah, and Sarah hugs him and looks at his head, like looks him in the eyes. Like that's, so that's how they are buried, because. Um, they're like so intrinsically in trust with each other. Like they trust each other to the extent that like it's the same trust as a Hashem to them. And wow. that's why like they like he was so sure that um, Sarah was at Sabika that he didn't even have like he that's why he called her his sister. Like that's like he didn't even have well it's it's translation, but I'm saying like that that's why he didn't even have the doubt that something might even if she goes to Para. Yeah. And we spoke about this yesterday. We were speaking about their connection that, that it was on a, such a spiritual level, right? So, yeah, if they were so in tune with their connection with Hashem and a connection between a husband and a wife down here is representative of that, then they obviously had that like perfect connection down here. Mm-hmm. So that is very interesting. But, yeah, the idea is that Avram lived on this plane of Atzillus and that is the source of all the hashba'ah and the influence and the life force of all of the worlds, including this world. But he was up there in the source of Ram, of Chochmah, right? As it is above, as it exists in its source within Chochmah. Is um, Atzilus with an Aleph? With an Aleph. Aleph Tzadik Lamed, like, 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 right? I'm by my friend. It's like next to him. I'm right, I'm right there. So this we spoke about. Avram... A father who is above Avraham of Hamon Goyim, father of many nations. That is the new status that Avram achieved after the Brismilla, which was that now he was able to father many nations. He was able to draw down that Hashba'ah from above. He was able to remove the Masachim, the screens that covered over and stopped and blocked up that flow. And he was able to have become the father of many nations and influence the physical world down here, which, as we discussed at length, is the whole purpose of why we're here, so that we can actually influence and affect a change in this world, not just to affect changes in the spiritual worlds. When we do spiritual things, like we have intention behind the mitzvah, or we learn Torah, okay, especially if we're learning Torah, sort of esoteric aspects of it, we're affecting change, but in the spiritual worlds. And it takes the ability to be able to draw that down through action, right? We're in the world of action and actually face and confront the physicality to be able to not only elevate the world upwards, but to draw that hashba downwards into this world. And that was enabled by the bris. So now Avram became Av Hamon Goyim. So now we're going to speak about Mila. That was just a recap of what we said yesterday. We're going to speak about Mila. Mila, Brit Mila, right? Brit is the covenant Mila of the circumcision. And we're going to break up the word and see how Kabbalah explains it. So we can take this idea that we learn from the change in Avram's name and see how it was affected specifically through circumcision. So we're on the last line of page eight on the right. Kimila otiot mal yud and hey. Mila, if you scramble it up, if you take the yud in the middle and the hey and put them together, that's the name of Hashem. Yud and hey is one of the names of Hashem. And mal mem and lamed. 
Okay, so mal yud ke. I'm not saying yud and hey because that's the name of Shem. So mal yud ke. What does that mean? Heim chokma ubina. This is referring to chokma and bina. Yud and hey is chokma and bina. Remember we spoke about yesterday. The yud is the chokma. It's the point. It's that flash of insight. It's that bittle. It's the small tiniest of all the letters. And the hey then opens up that letter, and that's the bina that takes that insight that is just beyond your reach and it opens it up it breaks it apart and it puts it into sections so that it's understandable so yud and hay represent chokhmah and bina so somehow there's this mole of chokhmah and bina there's this mole of chokhmah and bina of yud and hay so yud and hay chokhmah and bina what's mole umal hulashon his galos mole means to reveal kimol because the word mole milshon is from the aramaic term mamalala which means to speak. And we know that speech is revelation. It's revealing the hidden thoughts, taking the hidden thoughts that exist within us that nobody can see and experience and understand, and it's bringing it forth into the world in a revealed way. So mal comes from the word malala. It also comes from the word mul. Anyone's familiar with um, modern Hebrew? Mul means opposite. Like you're standing muli, means you're standing opposite me. So it's also the idea that you're right there in a way that is revealed and is tangible and is felt. You're right opposite me. So there's mal moshon memalala, which is the idea of revelation. Shehadibor hu megale et Memalala means speech. Speech reveals the wisdom. Liyot ha-chokma yotze mikoach el To cause this wisdom to leave from potential and become action. Umeahelem el And to go from being in a concealed state into a revealed state. Therefore, it says in regards to the world to come, to Mashiach times, as el safa I will transform all the nations to understand a clear language. So, how are we going to know that we truly are able to understand and connect with Hashem when the language, when the speech is clear, when it's revealing the truth and that which used to be hidden? As it says in Yeshaya, and all flesh will see together that it is the mouth of Hashem that is speaking. Speech represents revelation. And the ultimate revelation will happen when Mashiach comes. But there's a specific revelation that's affected by Mila, Mal Ya, taking the Yud and the Hei, the Chochmah and the Bina, the source of life in this world, and taking it from the hidden state, from the potential state, into the revealed, actionable, practical state. And that is done through Mila, Mal Yod Hei, speaking out the Yod and the Hei, the Chochmah and the Bina. Michamat, this is because, there will be in the time of Mashiach a revelation of Hashem on the level of Dibor. Just as when somebody speaks, it's the most effective way to actually reveal that which is concealed within you is through speech, so too Hashem will be revealing himself in this tremendous way through speech. Hisgalos elokus, there will be a revelation of godliness. Hisgalos chokma, there will be a revelation of chokma, which is Hashem as he exists in this potential state as it's going to be drawn down. The gilo is there, this revelation before the Mila and before Mashiach, Lamala, it exists above Hubabchinat Chashmal in a state of Chashmal. Okay. Chashmal in modern Hebrew means electricity, not what it's talking about here at all. Um, what's the source for Vaira Ka'ain Chashmal from Yecheskel? Afi Mila Morkevet. This word Chashmal is made up of two words, Chash and Mal. Mal, 
you know, is circumcision. Mal is speech. And chash actually means silence. Itim chashot, times of quiet. And actually, when we learn about Purim, we're going to see that achashverosh is, has the word achash, which is silence, verosh, and bitterness. And we're going to discuss what achashverosh represents according to, um, to Hasidus then. But this term chash comes up there as well. Chash means silence. When we're silent, we're keeping it in. We're not revealing that which exists inside of ourselves. So chash mal means silence and speech. Mal from mamalala, chash, silence. Itim chashot, times of quiet. Dahainu, this means, shelefamim, that sometimes the chokhmah, hu babchinat helem, is in a state of concealment. As it says, siyag lachachmah shtika. I think that's from Pirkeavis, I'm pretty sure. Yes. That the fence to wisdom is silence. Have you heard that? Siyag lachachmah shtika. So on a simple level, that means if you want to keep, retain your wisdom, it, it's done through silence, okay? The more you speak, the more chance that you're going to say something stupid, right? Um, so the gate, the fence, and it's so true. <laughs> so the fence for wisdom is silence. So sometimes chokhmah exists in a state of silence, in a state of concealment where it's not revealing. The itim and sometimes mamalalot. It's speaking. It's drawn down in a level of speech and revelation. So this is represented by chashmal. Sometimes silence, sometimes speaking. The gamal, and as we mentioned before, mal, right? The source of the word mila, brit mila, circumcision. Mal milshon vahu yoshef mimuli. It's from the language of he's sitting opposite me, as we discussed. Mimuli means opposite me. Shilpirush negdi, opposite me. Klomar, which means to say, davar shenira ke'ilu hulunochechen, of something that he can see right opposite of him with his eyes. That's the mal from mila, which represents the state of revelation. So all of this, spiritual representation of what the word Mila represents. Mal Yudke. Drawing down, revealing, speaking out the Chochmah and the Bina, which sometimes is revealed, sometimes is concealed, taking it from the hidden to the revealed. We see this represented in man down here. Right? We made, it says, Hashem said to the angels, let's make man in our image. Right? And everything that happens above happens below in a physical way and it's representative of what's going on above. So just as above, there is a hashpa, there is a flow from chokhmah which needs to be uncovered, right? The blockages need to be uncovered so that it can flow properly and give, be the mashpia. So do we see with a person. So we see this with this physical person down here as well. He makes it because we know that it's written in Bereshis Nase Adam Betzalmenu Kidmusen. We will make man in our image and in our likeness. Yeshgam Ken Masach Al So, so too down here because we're made in the image of God and our, our, our life is representative of the life and flow of what's going on above. There is a covering on the source of the Mashbiya. A man, his source of being able to give life, right, is covered over. He's created that way. Because it's in an elevated state. And then obviously it's our job to remove that so that a man can properly be his, the mashbiya. 
And historic Lashem Elokeinu, as it says, that the concealments of Hashem are God. Chochma and Bina. These refer to Chochma and Bina, which are in a concealed state. They're the source of life in this world, but they exist in a concealed state. And then they are revealed to us and to our and to our children. So Chochmah and Bina start off in a concealed state and they're drawn down into a revealed state. And this is done specifically through circumcision. We make this, these concealed elements of Hashem revealed to us and to our children. So that now this revelation can come in a way that it's able to be transmitted to our children which is in a way of giving birth, right? That we can give birth to something outside of us, so we can influence something, so draw something from so deep within us that it exists in a concealed state, bring it forth in a way that it expresses itself in the birth of, another, of a child. That's the idea of taking something from the hidden, from the potential, and drawing it down into the revealed and to the actual and the practical. And that is only truly possible, a true birth is only possible through the mila, through the circumcision. Kilachen. And we see, when Avram got a hey added to his name, nevertheless, the resh was not removed from Avraham. It used to be Avram, father who is revealed. Then we said it's Avhamon Goyim, father of many nations. There's no resh in any of that, Avhamon Goyim. So why not take the resh out and call him Avham? Right? Avhamon Goyim. He was Avram, now he's Avham. No, 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 we keep the Resh in. Because this idea of drawing down from above the screen, from the source of Hashba'ah, down into this world, does not mean that we're leaving that place and that state of elevation. Leaving it all behind and dropping down into the underworld. We are drawing down still from that place of revelation. That's represented by the Resh that remained in Avram's name, even though now he becomes, becomes the father of many nations. He gives birth to many children down here in this physical world. He is still connected with his source up above. And so we mustn't forget that. There's the idea of Golos Hashchina. Have you guys heard of the term Golos Hashchina? The Shechina is Hashem as he's limited himself to such a point that he can rest and dwell among us in this physical world. So it's a very, 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 um, diluted form of Hashem's presence, right? To the point that people can experience the Shekhinah, right? The, the Yidden in the Midbar, they saw the Shekhinah in the form of the clouds, etc. This is a very, very, very diluted form of Hashem that's come all the way down from a very high place and gone through many, many Tzimtzumim. The idea of Golos HaShekhinah means that the Shekhinah, which job, the job of the Shekhinah is to limit Hashem to the point that He can dwell among us so we can find Him, right? Golos HaShekhinah means that the Shekhinah, it lowers Hashem to such a point that we stop even looking for Him, right? So the, the idea here is we're drawing from above to below, but not in a way that we're losing sight of that which is above us and that which we're drawing down from. And that's represented by the Resh, by the Resh in Avraham, by the Ram. So even though they added a hey, they did not take out the Resh. Because Avram is still in the state of elevation and the Jewish people are still in the state of elevation. All we did was we added this aspect of hey, hey representing elaboration, right? 
Hey is the second Hey in Hashem's that in the four letter name of Hashem represents Malchus, which is speech. We're adding in the element of revelation, but we're not taking out the element of being above. Liot bechinat ram because the job is to take this elevated state and make it revealed, not to leave that state and come down here and start to relate to the world in a way that the world um, works, but to remain in this elevated state in a way that's able to be transmitted down and integrated into this world. So that's the true expression and representation of the name Avraham. Avraham was only able to be Avraham, however, after his bris milah, when the coverings were removed so that from that elevated state, he can draw this energy down in a way that's able to have a lasting effect in this world in the form of physical children, right? And we know that practically circumcision is a process of revelation. And the second stage of circumcision, which is like opening, opening it up, is even more of a revelation. As it says about the Sota. Have you heard of the Sota woman? The wayward wife? Um, a sota is if there was this very unique circumstance where a husband suspected his wife of cheating on him with a specific person and said, you cannot be secluded with this specific person. And then she was found to be secluded with this specific person, but we don't know what actually happened. She's taken to the Beis HaMikdash and there's this whole process. Part of the process that happens is upara es rosha icha. They uncover the hair of the, yeah. of the woman, which is the source, the only source in Torah for covering your hair, for wearing a sheitol or techol or all of that. So what's the idea here? Why is it bringing this quote? Because pora and poria, it's the same idea. Poria is a process that happens during Mila. It's an uncovering process, the uncovering that we saw with the Isha Sota. And it's the idea of that bris Mila represents this uncovering, unblocking and reveal and revelation. As we see, shrita mufuras. Shrita mufuras magula venikeras. In a way that's revealed and pora is Rasha Isha, as we see, and they and they uncovered the head of the woman. What are we revealing? During Mila, Hamasich Hamavdil ben Kodesh lechol di Yisrael. We are revealing, we are uncovering the screen that separates between holiness and unholiness by the Jewish people. Chulin shenasu al Kodesh. Those are the people, as we said, who would eat the chulin in a way of an elevated state, even on a regular weekday. Drawing down from the holiness into the mundane. Shehi ikar ha which is the main aspect of separation. Kibashiva ha'avdalais, because there are seven separations, lahavdal ben hatame, to separate from pure to impure, etc. Ein anu omrim, we don't say, lefi she'ein tsarich kol kach, because we don't need this, is no longer becomes so necessary. Why? After we reveal the separation between holiness and unholiness. So what are we saying here? What is brismila? Brismila is a process of revealing. What are we revealing? Revealing that which is usually concealed. A, a potential for hashba, for revelation, that's kind of satum, as we say in, in Hebrew. Satum means blocked up. It's blocked up. The hashba is blocked up. We remove the covering so that we can then have this flow. And, and it's interesting because there's a mitzvah to have for, uh, at a bris. A bris is not a private affair, which would make sense for it to be. You know, you have the mall come, I mean, during COVID and all those times and Soviet Russia and, you know, all, the, all these lovely times we did, it was a private, very secret affair. But 
the way that a bris is supposed to be is not just that the mohel comes to the house, the mother and the father with the baby. It's something that people come to, right? Not only people come to, it says that Eliyahu Anavi comes to every single bris. Eliyahu Anavi, who is the one, he's the one who ushers in the redemption and tells us that Mashiach came because it's the beginning stages of redemption and it's a process that we all involve ourselves in, right? There's a, there's a, there's a mitzvah to have a sa'udah at a bris, right? And that anyone who finds themselves at a bris, that they should wash their hands so they can say the special benching so that they can partake in the bris, right? It's not just like this private thing, which would make sense for it to be, right? To do it in the hospital, right? And the idea is that all of us are, are, are taking part in this process of removing that which is blocking not only Hashem Sashbah into the world, but that's blocking up us up as well. Because we also have within ourselves a source of Hashbah, of influence, in the form of our Neshama, which is perfect and whole and has everything that it needs, um, and it's blocked up. There are many, many, many layers that are covering it over, layers that we're born with, layers that we put up ourselves. And the bris is this reminder that the true point of us being here is to remove those coverings and to draw down from the source of holiness and goodness and purity and to draw that down into the whole world. And so a bris is something that we all, we all partake in. And, um, you know, it's a very special time for the parents when their son has a bris because there's also, there's this, there's this very tremendous spiritual process happening every single time. And the first person to have the bris underwent an incredible transformation within himself, right? Avram's entire way of relating to Hashem completely changed from before and after the bris. And hopefully we can take this lesson of a bris. Now, it's not just a lesson. It's a practical, you know, thing that exists within our life. It's a part of Yiddishkeit that we go, we celebrate brisim. Our husbands have brisim. Our children have brisim, right? So this is something that we truly partake in. And it's a reminder for ourselves, right? What kind of screens have I put up that aren't allowing my ability to affect change in the world to truly come forth and to make sure that we're constantly taking stock of that and removing them as much as we can, right? And sometimes we didn't even put these screens up on a conscious level, right? Sometimes they happen when we're kids. Sometimes we're born with certain protective measures. And it's our job to, first of all, know that there's a tremendous, tremendous amount of potential that exists within us that is in a concealed state. And it's our job to draw it down from that concealed state down into this world. And this is the lesson that we can learn from Brismila. Okay, this was a very short but very packed mimer at the same time. Uh, does anyone have any questions or comments on what we've what we've discussed? Yeah, I have a question. You're saying that like at the Brismila, we, we can remind ourselves the screens we've put up. Can you give like an example of the screens someone could put up? Sure. There's so many. Let me think. Um, let me think. Well, there's all different areas. There's like within our spiritual lives, with our Yiddishkeit, and then there's also just the way we relate to other people. So I'm just trying to think like what area to... But let's say on a spiritual level, right? Um, our neshama, right, wants to do everything that Hashem told us to do and to do it in the most perfect, beautiful way that we possibly can. And it's constantly knocking at every opportunity that we have to do something like that, which is all the time, knocking and saying, hey, you know, do this right? Hey, go visit this person. 
put yourself out there in this way, right? Daven a little bit longer, whatever it is. Concentrate in your davening. And it's knocking and it's knocking and it's knocking. But there are all of these screens, right? So for some people, they're very big thinkers. <laughs> so their mind is just running all, all, all the time. <clears throat> all the things that they need to do that their animal soul is telling them to do, right? So those knocks from the godly soul, which are there, which are actually the truth of who we are, get drowned out by all of these screens, by all of the noise. For some people, it could be their emotions. Their emotions are just so loud and overwhelming to them in a way that those subtle knocks from the neshama are not heard. Some people, they're just all over the place doing stuff all the time. Um, so it could come from a thinking place, could come from a feeling place, could come from an action place where we cover over, we distract ourselves, we numb ourselves to that knocking, which is just our neshama saying, I want to flow out through you into the world, right? To affect change on this world and to connect to my source. And so what those screens and blocks look like are different for everybody. And again, some people, it's more of an intellectual block. And some people, again, it's more of a feeling one. I don't feel it. And some people, they're just, it's just, it's an action, right? And so we have to take a look at what those areas of our lives are. That, that's a spiritual, um, you know, that's a, a Yiddishkeit example. Um, how can I make sure that I'm actually allowing my neshama to express itself? Because that's why it's here, right? That's a spiritual one. With relationships with people, we see the same thing, right? That we put up screens with people. We're scared to show, we're scared to show who we really are. But until we show who we really are, there's never truly a relationship, right? So we see that in that area as well, with relationships not only with Hashem and with our neshama, but with other people. So... It's an interesting kind of, I guess we could take it as a prompt for this week of Pash Like, what are the screens, right? Um, I heard Rabbi Yossi Jacobson once say, the foreskin of existence or something. <laughs> he likes to... <laughs> but what are, so you can, you can think of it that way if you want. But what are the, what are the, what are the things that are... <laughs> a little graphic. Um, but what are, those, what are those things that are like actually stopping me, Right? And to realize that the only purpose of why they're there is to move them away. <laughs> okay? That process of moving them away is very important. Otherwise, Hashem wouldn't put the screens there in the first place. right? Otherwise, Hashem would just make every man be born circumcised. That process of removing the foreskin is essential to the process of revealing and drawing down that truth. So in that process, we're going to learn a lot right, about ourselves, about the world. And it's an important process. But at the end of the day, the point of it is to move it away. Does that make sense? Yes. So, yeah, I, I always try. It's hard sometimes with, um, with, with Tyra R, with the altar of my mom, which are sometimes so lofty, to see how that applies practically in our day-to-day life. But, but like, for this one, I was just so clear. Like, it was just so clear. Like, so many, so many lines of ideas, and you have to somehow, like, connect them all. And with Rebbe's my they're always, like, going to one, like, yes. single thing. And with altar of my mom, it's always, like, it's still somewhere, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, because still, the, the truth is, still. every one of the altar rabbis my mom has been opened up and broken apart multiple yeah. times by all the previous rabbis, all the following rabbis, right? So there's like a lot of like potential. There's so many ways we can go here, right? Yeah. Every paragraph could be a whole new mimer and does become very often a whole new thought. By the time the rabbi comes around after six, you know, process, the rabbi takes like, you know, gathers all of the ideas together and makes this one point. So actually, the Rebbe's my mom sometimes are, are the hardest to learn. The Rebbe's my mom are difficult. They're hard. 
it's one of the main reasons why I don't teach them. Um, because it's like taking from all these ideas. And so here it's almost like the, the beginning, it's like the chokhmah of the idea that the altar is throwing out. And it's able to be branched off and broken up and understood in so many ways and on so many different levels. But that, that's what I took from it, this idea of the screens. Um, because it's so true. It's so true within ourselves. And sometimes it's really just a, a, a process of actually valuing that which is behind the screen. Sometimes we don't think it's even worth that. Like we have to have this certain thing in place and this certain thing in place in order to be able to tr- show our true selves because what if our true self isn't enough, right? Sometimes it's just appreciating that that which exists behind the screen is valuable and worthy in and of itself. It doesn't need all these conditions to be able to come out. Um, so that's just something that I was... I had a workshop in, in the seminary. We were speaking about that, like with um, with body image and things like that. That we think like I'll only be able to to be worthy and valuable if I look a certain way and if I dress a certain way. And so we take we take these screens into all different areas of our life. Each person in different stages of their life looks very different as well. It's not like you fix it, you figure it out, and you're set for life. It just those screens keep coming up in all different new ways. But um, to remember that the point of those screens is so that we can fix and perfect ourselves and perfect the world, right? Hashem created us with these screens so that we can actually do the hard work of revealing that truth in this world. So we should have atzlacha with that. That's a big one, right? And um, yeah, we should just go into this Shabbos with just only, only, only good news and only revealed good from Hashem in every single way. And our learning should really just, all of your learning that you guys are amazingly doing here, from Yerushalayim should be a schuss for everybody who needs any sort of refuah physically, spiritually, mentally, emotionally, and obviously for our soldiers, that they should all be very safe. The best thing we could be doing right now for them is learning. So thanks for doing it the whole day. I couldn't, I couldn't do that. So thank you. Okay.